people, the body of Christ has gathered together this morning. They've come here to worship you, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we assemble as you've asked. We sing praises to your glory for who and what you are and for your Son and for your Holy Spirit and for all that you've done for us. We pray, we pray for each other, we pray for our healing, we pray for those, those in need and those that are sick. We, we just come singing praises, we come with joy into your holy place. And so Father, now as we are gathered together, we're about to have fellowship with you in your word. Your word, it says in the book of Psalms, you have honored above even your name. And I know what your name means. Your, your name means everything. That's your reputation. That's who you are. And also is your word because that, that's your son. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And there wasn't anything that was created that was not created through him. And so Father, we just thank you for having fellowship with your revealed word to us and what you want us to know. I pray that your Holy Spirit will make it known to everyone this day on what we're going to talk about. I pray that these scriptures come alive. I pray that we can visualize what's going on and just see it in like a 4D movie. And I pray, Father, that we will be encouraged and that you will be glorified and exalted. And we ask these things in Jesus' dear name. Amen. All right. If you would... Boy, it seems like a long time since I was up here and we was in Zechariah 14 starting that. But let's turn there again if you would. Boy, I thought we was going to, when I started this one again today, I thought, boy, I'm going to end it today. I don't know, I got next week coming too. <laughs> so next week, but it's going to be good because it's the Lord's Word. And there's something that goes in there. It, if, you'll, if you read ahead during this next week too, you're going to see that it talks about the, a plague from the Lord. It's going to talk about a curse. It's going to then talk about the Lord tabernacling with us in that millennial reign. So there's a lot of things to cover next week. I hope I can get it done in just one more week. But, but anyway, it's, it's been two weeks now since we were in Zechariah 14. What a fantastic chapter for a fantastic prophet in the end of his book. Now... I'm going to do just a short review as we get going on because in verse 1, <clears throat> what we're talking about today, go, go ahead and go back one. I, I, I wanted to make known. This one is about the day the lights went out on planet Earth. You know, whenever I was young, about the time I think I was, I was probably about a junior in high school, there was a song that came out. That's the night what? Yeah, that's the night that they hung an innocent man. Well, you know, they hung an innocent man on the cross that died for my sins. And he's coming back. And you know, when he comes back, there's going to be a darkness before there's light. There's going to be a, a day of total darkness. And every eye is then going to see him. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And this is going to be exciting. Because it starts out, remember this chapter does, Behold! Ten Hunt, pay attention, I got some exciting news, he's saying. The day of the Lord is coming, and be warned, when it comes, it's not going to be a good day for those who are not in Christ Jesus our Lord. It'll be a day of the Lord's vengeance on those who know not God and have not confessed Jesus Christ, that He is their Lord and Savior, and that they have given their life to Him. And we saw the last time how that the spoils of the city that all the nations would be gathered around Jerusalem and in Judea, and they're going to gather around that city, and all the nations would be there, and they're going to rifle through the houses, they're going to ravish the women, they're just going to be taking everything in the way of evil that they do. And about that time, something's going to happen. Just when they think that they've won the victory, they're counting the spoil in the midst of the city while the battle's going on because they think no one can stop them. There is no way that this can, can anyone can do anything with us. Now, we have won the victory, and it's great, and they're already celebrating. And it was at that time in verse 3 up there, we saw that it says the Lord's going to get ready to go forth into this victory. 
And he's going to fight against those nations just as he fought in the day of battle. And if you remember, there's all kinds of days of battle. Next week, we're going to see one of them. But the last time we talked about the one in Exodus, whenever they left and they were getting ready to cross the Red Sea and how the Lord fought for them at that time and Pharaoh and his army and the whole thing went down in the water and sank to the bottom of the sea. Next week, preview of coming attractions. I'm going to take you to Jericho again. We're going to see Joshua getting ready to go in there and why that applies directly to our text that we'll be watching next week when the Lord fights for his people. And then in verse 4, we've seen that Jesus was coming back. That in that day, as verse 1 says, that great day when, when the, the day of the Lord is coming, that our Lord will come back to fight the battle and he's going to return the same way that he left. And if you, that was at the Mount of Olives. And if you remember the last time, I know it's been two weeks, but you remember we went into Acts chapter 1. And we talked about that time and what it was. And I told you, I might show you a little bit of, of that church of ascension that they put there on top of that mount after he was raised up. I want you to take a look at Acts chapter 1 verse 4. He was assembled there. This is the last words of Jesus before he arose into heaven. He gave us a great commission, you know it. The same commission he gave them, he's, he gave to us in Matthew 28 and Mark 16. But he is assembled together with his beloved disciples. Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from here, but to stay in Jerusalem and to wait for the promise. The promise of the Holy Spirit from God that was going to be their comforter, that was going to come and take his place. He told them back in John 14, and in the book of John, he said, It is necessary that I go, because if I do not go away, then the Comforter, He, the Holy Spirit, cannot come to be with you. And so He is bringing, He is going to come whenever I leave. And John truly baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with Him, the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. And the disciples was all excited and they said, Lord, is this the time then that you're going to bring the kingdom back to us? And Israel's going to be great like it was in the time of David. In verse 7, Jesus said, It is not for you to know the times or in the seasons that the Father has put in his own power. Now you remember that because we're going to hit that, that idea again in a little bit. But Jesus says, and basically, don't worry about those things. Don't worry about when Israel's going to be. I've got another mission for you. I've got another job for you. Your role is going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my ambassadors to the world. And it's going to start right here in Jerusalem. But then I want you to spread it to Judea and to Samaria. To the uttermost parts of the world. I want you to take my message and be my ambassadors. And those was the last words of Jesus to his disciples. Because then verse 9 says that he was taken up. And that as he began rising up into the air into the clouds. And the clouds received him. He went out of sight and they stood there. And they were like, wow, that was his last words. And is he coming back down? He's going up, but is he going to fall? Is gravity going to take hold? No, he disappeared into the clouds and the clouds congealed around him and everything was gone. And then it says that there was these two men that came by. They were angels and they were standing next to him in this white apparel. And they said unto him, ye men of Galilee, why are you continuing to stare up into the sky looking for Jesus? One day he's going to come back. The same way that he went and arose. But it's not right now. He left you a message. You go do what he's, he's told you to do. But know this. That one day. He's going to come back. The same way that he left. Wow. Well I told you last time. That on that, that same place there. On that Mount of Olives. Where he left. And ascended up. And where he's going to come back again. In that same way. That they built a church there. You remember that? They called it the Church of the Ascension. Well, I wanted you to see what it looked like. I told you that uh, if I could remember it, I would. Go ahead and give me that next slide. There you go. Looky there. That is the little chapel. And you can see that it's on top of the mount. And you can kind of look down that that's a valley down there below where all of the other ones are. And there's some people there gathered around. That's the Church of the Ascension. 
built on the Mount of Olives, right there where Jesus ascended, and where the Word of God promises that He's going to come back again when He returns. Now, here's a view from down below. Look at that. Isn't that pretty? That's a beautiful sight. So here's down there. And then that big tall thing is like a cathedral bell tower. And it's kind of a little difficult to see. But just to the right is the, that little dome thing. And that's that church with its, with its tower right behind it. And this is the valley. And the Mount of Olives isn't huge. It's not like a mount we would think of of the Smoky Mountains. It's more like the hills over here where I, by where I live. But it's, a, but it's the Mount of Olives, and that's what it looks like. You want to know why I wanted to show you these pictures? It's because the Word of God is true. You see, history bears out. No one has been able in these 2,000 years, or in the 5,000 years since the Old Testament was written, no one has been able to take any word from the Word of God and say it ain't so. It's proven every single time. Now, they built those people in those times when that happened, started building a church there of the ascension of our Lord. Why? Because it's true. And if it means that if God's word is true in that, it's going to be true in every single thing that it promises you and I, isn't it? If he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, that's a promise, isn't it? If he says, I am going to walk with you, if I am going to watch over you, I am going to take care of you no matter what. The birds of the air, look at how they toil. Man, look at the fields. I thought the other day before they started planting some of them, did you see all them yellow flowers everywhere in some of those fields? I thought, isn't that beautiful? People call them weeds, but as I look out across there, I think of Jesus saying Solomon in all of his glory wasn't decked out like one of these. Wow. And if all of those words are true, how much more does he care about you? Them birds soil not, toil not, and so do the flowers. They sow, they don't reap, they don't worry about things. He takes care of them. So why are you, who are worth more than them, worry so much? Well, I'll tell you why, Lord, because we got a corrupt, evil government that's going on on both sides. None of them's worth anything. Our gas prices is up to $6 a gallon. They're talking like we ain't going to have no food, that our grid's going to go down. It might even go down next week when it's 99 degrees and we're not going to have any air conditioning. And he said, don't worry. <laughs> I've still got you. You know what? What you're calling an emergency was basic living 150 years ago. I mean, we haven't had electricity that long, but we've sure gotten used to it. Our, our ancestors had nothing, right? Oh, I almost forgot, because I told somebody Wednesday night that I'm going to say this. You know what I had for breakfast two days this week? Eggs. And you say, what's so special about having eggs for breakfast? They were 15 months old. 15 months old and never been in a refrigerator because I started planning, you see. God wants us, he says, I'm going to take care of you, but just like Joseph, he said, I want you to do your part too. I want you to prepare with what you can and I promise you I'll do my part. So I, I happened to watch a video on water, glass, and eggs. And if you don't wash your egg, it'll last without refrigeration. But if you take a five-gallon bucket and put your unwashed eggs in there, and they've got to be clean, I mean, not covered with junk and everything, but you take clean eggs that your chickens have just laid and you put them in a five-gallon bucket and you take the hydrolyzed lime and water and it's one ounce of lime to a quart of water and you mix that up and you pour it in that bucket over those eggs, you don't need refrigeration. And I was a little afraid because, see, I take one egg out at a time and I crack it. <laughs> I smell because I'm used to refrigeration and I'm used to electricity. And I'm thinking there ain't no way 15-month-old eggs that's been in a bucket in my hot garage and in my house and everywhere else 
that these eggs are going to be any good. But by golly, each one I cracked was good. And I put it out there on that, on that grill and made a little omelet with it. And it was just like that they had laid them that day. So what I'm telling you is that the emergency that they're trying to get you all hyped up and scared about was natural living to most folks 150 years ago. And all we got to do is get back to God and get back to His ways and the way He did things and we wouldn't have anything to worry about, would we? Well, praise God, get your gardens out, get your cannon stuff going and get prepared and then we're not going to worry. We might have to walk to church or ride our bike or have someone come around and pick us up on the way and take turns if the gas goes to 20 bucks a gallon. But we're still going to praise God and gather together and worship Him and He's going to take care of us. And that's why I put this up here because the same God that ascended is coming back for us one way or another. And then we talked the last time too about that wedding feast a little bit in Revelation chapter 19 and how that he's going to come back for his bride and that we're going to rise first, the first Thessalonians says. And then we're going to go up there and we're going to have that, that wedding feast and that banquet of the Lord. But here's a new little twist that I wanted to give you on this whole story. Now we're getting into new stuff going forward. You know, it says in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds. Wait a minute, how did he leave? In Acts 1, we, we just saw he left with the clouds, didn't he? From the top of that and went up into the clouds. Revelation 1, 7 says, Behold, he cometh with the clouds. Every eye will see him, and they also which pierced him. And all the kindreds shall well because of him. But even so, amen. Remember Acts 1, that's what he said was going to happen. He's going to come back again. He's given us a promise at the end of the book. I'm going to come back the same way I left. In those clouds, I will be returning. But then he says this, he says, but every eye will see him. Is it going to be on TV? I, no, I don't think so. Uh, it probably will. I mean, there'll probably be some live TV, but I don't think that's what he's referring to. I think something else is going to be going on that when he returns, that every eye is going to see him. I want to, I want to talk today how that Zechariah ties in with this very thing of where he's going to come back that day and his feet land on the Mount of Olives with his saints. But also, it says that every eye will see him as he's coming and even those who pierced him. I want to take those two things and connect the dots, how these scriptures are. You see, words like that are code words in the Bible that are connecting the thoughts and the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New all the way through to let you know that it's one author. It's God from outside of this realm writing to us, telling us what's going to happen. So that, back to seeing whom they're going to pierce. That's in Revelation 1, verse 7. Even they who pierced him. That takes us back to several weeks ago in Zechariah 12. Look at what it says. It shall come to pass in that day. We're still talking about that same day all the way through here. I will seek to destroy the nations that came against Jerusalem. And I'm going to pour out upon the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And I got to thinking this morning when I was restudying this. You remember also a few weeks ago when the staff of grace was broken. You remember when we talked about that? You remember what the two staffs were? It was grace and supplication, unity. So he's going to return what was taken away when they had quit believing in him. And that staff of grace and unity was broken. When he comes back, he's going to bring it back again. He's going to pour it back on them. And then it says, they shall look upon me whom what? They have pierced. That's what he said in Revelation 1. Every eye is going to see me when I come back. Even those who pierced me. And it's connecting the dots back to here that on that day. And they're going to mourn for me in bitterness. Why? Because all these years they could have had the Messiah and they refused to believe. But now they're going to see him. And then in that day is going to be opened up unto the Lord's house a fountain of redeemers. 
the, for sin and uncleanness, that fountain of the blood of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So praise God. And it's in that day that all this is coming for them. And then they will say, they will remember what Zechariah said. As, as they're seeing all of this happen, and I hope you're getting the picture in your mind's eye of the Lord's coming with all of His saints gathered around and He's coming and every eye is going to see and they're going to see Him whom they've pierced. And they gather around and this is what they're going to be thinking. Look at what it says in uh, verse 7 of chapter 13. Awake, O sword. Against my shepherd. You remember that? When they didn't believe in him. He said you're going to believe in another shepherd. But you wouldn't believe in me. And But because of our sake. Because of sin and what had to happen. God says awake O sword. Against my shepherd. Against the man who is my fellow. And that means that Jesus Christ was man. And he was God. He was born of a virgin Mary. And he was also the son of God. So he is the man who God says is my equal. He is God and he is man in one. He is, he is the unique person of the universe. I want you to grasp that. When it says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world. That he gave to us his only begotten son. Right? That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The word only begotten means the uniquely born one. It's the uno genetic. It's the word that means the only one of its kind genetically. Why? Because he's the only one in the universe that is God and man. He's the only one. He's the uniquely born, the only begotten son of God. And God here declares that that's who he would be against the man, awake against the shepherd, against the man who is my equal, who is my fellow. And on that night, the sheep will be scattered, and they've been scattered all the way in Israel until this time. But it's going to come to pass, and I'm going to return again, and I'm going to bring a third of them through the fire, and I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to try them like silver, and I'm going to try them like gold. But then they're going to be mine, and they're going to call me, and they will call upon me, and they will say, He is my God, and I will say, They are my people. Amen. And then, Jesus... As he descended from heaven in the clouds. Look at verse 6. Let's go to Zechariah 14 now again. Give me the, Yeah, that one. And it shall come to pass in that day. We're still on that same day, ain't we? Boy, that's going to be a long day, isn't it? We're going to find out in a minute that that day it says there's no night in it. <laughs> that at, at evening time it's still going to be day. So, so God's going to do some celestial changes in this universe as it's going on. But in that day, now, now look at this. The light shall not be clear nor dark. Does that make sense to you? Me either. You know, it wasn't very clear to the guy that tried to translate this either. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what it says. You want to hear what it really says? It says this, in that day it shall come to pass, there will be no light. The word is L-O, low for no, and the light. There will be no light. I don't know why they're trying to say that it will not be clear nor dark. What he's trying to say is there's going to be nothing. It's going to be the same type of darkness that came in that plague against Egypt when they couldn't even move and the darkness felt so heavy. And, and if you think about it, that means that the heaviness of that darkness enshrouded. Think about this. They had fires, didn't they? Torches. They had candles and all that. But they didn't have no light. You know why? Because this is a darkness that sucks in and in envelops all the light and there is no light and that's what he's trying to say that there's no light nor dark this is something that is totally different the word for no light or no dark it says there will be no and that's the word for congeal to it's like when milk curdles or when have you seen a riverbed or a lake when it is dried up 
and it shrinks down and cracks everywhere. The lights will diminish. It will shrink down. It will be enshrouded and it will be closed up so that even if they tried to light those matches or light something, it, you can't see it because the darkness is that deep. It's that deep of a darkness that's going to come. Just, just as it was in that day in Exodus. But then it says that then in verse 7, but then a light. But there, then after that, after that darkness, that's when he's going to be coming. And then it says there shall be one day that's known only to the Lord. What, what did we say a little bit ago when Jesus told his disciples not to worry about that which was put into the Father's hand and his power? You worry about what your mission is. He's got it, okay? Well, he's making that mention here. There will be one day which is known to the Lord and there will be no day or night. It will come to pass at evening time that it's light. And what he's trying to say is is that when the lights go out, and just think about it, you know how many millions and billions of years it takes for some of these galaxies and their stars to make the light reach earth? But God, that's how much in control he is of everything. He's going to be able to congeal, to shut out, and to block even the lights that was coming from millions of years ago that we will see in the stars tonight as we look up. There's going to be no stars. There's going to be no moon. There's going to be no sun. It's going to be darkness. But then there's going to be a light comes. That it says that there will be a light that comes. And there will be no evening and morning. You know what that light is? Yeah, it's Jesus. It's the same type of light that there was on day one. If you'll remember that the earth at that point was covered in what? And it was the same darkness. It was the same darkness and waters, you're right, covered over the face of the earth. But the same darkness was around it. And God said, let there be what? And there was what? Light. Light be light was, is how it is. All God had to do was say, light be. And it was there. It appeared. But you know what? That was a unique light. I've always been trying to figure out what that was. Because if you look in your scriptures, it's not until verse 14 through 17 and 18 that God made the lights of the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, and all of the things. So there was a light that was upon the earth for three full days before God began creating all of the other celestial lights. And so just as this light came and was shining, and then it says in the next verse in Genesis 1, that he made darkness to divide the light from the day, called the light day and the dark night. But the sun and the moon wasn't there for another three days, but there was already light. What is that light? It's the, it's the Lord, but it's also something else that represents the Lord. It represents the glory of God that comes. It's the glory of God, the Shekinah glory that comes and appears and has come with him. And that light is going to be the same one that starts to shine in the midst of that darkness on that great and terrible day that's coming of the Lord against those who didn't know him. But the redeemed, it's the redeeming of them, and they will look then upon him whom they have pierced. This is the day that the prophet Malachi wrote of in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2. He said, Behold, for the day cometh, and that day is going to burn like an oven. And all the arrogant and all the proud, yea, and all that are evil and do wickedly, they will be like stubble on that day in the heat and the fire. And that day shall come and it will burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. And it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But listen up, believers. But unto you who fear my name, Shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in His wings? And ye shall go forth and grow up of calves in the stall. And that next verse goes on to say that you will be treading on the ashes of all of those who had died and perished, who were the unbelievers that was perished in that oven. But if you look at that, it's not Son, S-O-N, is it? 
It's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's S-U-N, Son. This is the light. The one who says when he was here, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am your redeemer. I am the one who has chosen you. I am the one who has redeemed you and saved you. I am the one. I am the Lamb of God, but I am the light. And when he comes back, the glory of God in flesh will be coming with him. Just as it says there, he will be the son of righteousness who will bring healing with his wings. Now remember that idea of healing too. Because we're going to see that in just a second everywhere. But praise God he's coming back. And the darkness that was there will be turned to light. Now if we go back to Zechariah 14 verse 8. See this is how all of these keep tying in together. To show you it's one author that wrote all of this. That it's God. It shall be in that day also. That living waters shall go out from Jerusalem. Half of them to the former sea. And half of them to the hinder sea. And so shall it be. In summer and in winter. It will always, in other words, it will always be that way. This river is going to be there the whole time. Summer, winter, whatever. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day. And there shall be one Lord. You know what that means? Ain't going to be no false religions, is there? And there ain't going to be no false gods. There ain't going to be no devil during that time. Whenever the Lord is reigning, it, he, it will be one. And his name shall be one. And that's where it will be. Now. Now is when I want to take you to Ezekiel chapter 47. I've only got one verse up here. That's why I want you to read the whole thing. Because that entire chapter speaks to this. It speaks to that day. It speaks to when the Lord is going to return. And his feet's going to land on that Mount of Olives. And it's going to split in half and separate to the north and the south. And running east and west will be the great valley. And then out of the sanctuary of the Lord's house is going to run this river that it just said. That's going to be running through there from the hinder sea to the former sea. And it's going to have healing too. You know what? You know what the former sea and the hinder sea? One of those is the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is going to be filled with fresh water. Because the curse of the earth is going to be lifted at the same time that he lifts the curse from mankind. But look at what, what verse 12 says up there. It says how on each side of that river that's going to come during that day. That there will be trees growing up. And what's those trees going to be for? Yeah well that's the leaves. What's the trees first? For meat right? It's going to be in other words it's going to provide things for you to eat. Is it going to run out? No what's going to happen? going to keep bearing fruit every month isn't it it says it's going to bear different fruit every month for 12 months and it's not ever going to run out see God's going to take care of us you don't have to worry he's he's going to provide every month that tree's going to keep bearing new fruit and then what's in its leaves healing healing will be in its leaves it for the healing of the nations you know what there's more powerful medicine in the flowers, in the leaves, in the things of God that he has put upon this earth. than all of them made up pharmaceuticals. If, if they would just tap into the things of God and give them to us. Instead of the other things. But then I wouldn't have a pension and, and all of those people wouldn't be making money up there. Right? Because you can't patent God's things. And so they take those and go, mm, let's make something synthetic and let's imitate it. And then we'll get rich. But God says, I'm going to have leaves for the healing of the people. And wait a minute. That sounds a whole like something at the end of the book, doesn't it? Just think about all that we have just seen. How when the Lord's going to come and that day's going to turn dark. And then every eye will see him. Why? Because the Shekinah glory of God, like it was in Genesis 1 verse 2 and 3. When that light came and was all the way around the earth. And then they finally had to make a darkness to divide day and night. But at first it was all light. Every eye will see the glory of God on the arrival of Jesus Christ. And he's going to land on that mount. And it's going to split with the earthquake and the valley. And the river's going to be flowing down through. And there's going to be healing when the son of righteousness comes with his wings. To close out today, I'm just going to read. Because there's nothing more powerful than the word of God. 
And so what I want to do is read about a chapter and a third of what it's going to be like of what Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel, Zechariah, and our Lord talked about. It's all summed up in the book of Revelation. Listen to this. If you want to turn there with me and follow along in your Bible, we're going to start in chapter 21 and verse 22. And I'm going to take it all the way through the end of the book. What, what a great thing to do is just to end on the word of God, right? Amen. Listen to what it says about what it's going to be like as all of those pictures in our mind are taking place. It says that whenever that splits apart, there'll be no temple therein. You're not going to need it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb is your temple. It'll be the... Church of Ascension is going to be gone because the church of the descender is going to be here and he's going to tabernacle with us. That's next week. They're going to go to the Feast of the Tabernacles. Just as he tabernacled with us in John 1, 1 and following in John 1, 14, it says, and, and he was made, the word was made flesh and he tabernacled with us. And we saw his what? Glory. The glory as of the only begotten Son of God. It's going to be the same way in the end. That's the way this book's going to end. It says that there's going to be no church, no temple. You're not going to need it because the Lord is there. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. That's who your temple is. And the city will have no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it. For what lights it up? The glory of the Lord will be its light. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them all, every, every nation, everybody? No. The nations of those who are saved shall walk in the light of it. And all the kings of the earth now will do, bring their glory and honor to it. These are the ones who were believers and who are, are now still left. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night therein. You see that? It's one great day in it. It's a different light, isn't it? It's not a sun and a moon. It's not going to need it because the light of the glory of God is there and He is your temple and He is your tabernacle and He is there with you and you will bring those glory and honors of the nations into it. There will no wise though enter into it anything that defiles. Neither whatsoever any of those who had worked abominations and makes a lie and those things that are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, we turn the page to that next chapter in Revelation 22, and it says, And he showed me a pure river. What did we just read about that started flowing out from there? The river, right? That went from the hinder sea to the former sea, right through the middle of that. And I see a pure river of the water of life. It's all muddy and murky and polluted. No, that's not the way my Bible reads. It says that it's crystal clear, isn't it? That this water is crystal clear. It proceeds from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, what's there? Tree of life and a bunch of trees. And it bare all manner of fruits, didn't it? Twelve of them. And yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves were what? Folks, you can't make this stuff up. I mean the things that Ezekiel and Zechariah and the prophets of God wrote about. The Lord is telling you that they are all true. And this is how they fit into the picture of what all of the prophets have been looking at. All of this time leading up to this. You know what this book is here that we're reading right now? In chapter 1 it begins like this. The revelation. Of Jesus Christ. That God gave to him. To show to those that are his. The things that are shortly going to come to pass. God said to his son. The redeemer. This is what I want you. To give to your children. That believe in you. I want them to know this. On what's getting ready to happen. And God gave this specific word to us so that we might believe that all of this is true. And he says, it bear all kind of fruit for the healing 
of the nations. Back to Ezekiel 47. Doesn't that sound exactly like the water that he had going out in the tree and the 12 fruits and, and the leaves were for the healing of the nations. There will be no more curse, verse 3. That's where we're going next week. Because that's what's going to be taken away whenever it gets ready to come and the Lord tabernacles with us. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and His servants, us. We're going to serve Him. We're going to see Him face to face finally. And His name, praise God, His name's going to be written on our foreheads. He's tabernacling with us. He is our light and He is our redemption. And He says... I am putting my seal and stamp on you that you are mine. My name will be there. And there will be no night. There will be no need of a candle. Neither the light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light. And you and I and they shall reign forever and ever with him. And he said unto me. These things are what? Faithful and true. You can believe them. You can bank on them. And you can count on it. And the Lord God of the holy prophets. Sent his angel. To show unto us. The servants of God. The things which must shortly be done. Folks he's going to say that about three times. I think things are starting to happen quickly. Don't you? These could be things that begin to shortly come to pass. Behold. Look at verse 7. I come quickly. Praise God. Blessed is he. Now here's going to be a key verse for us. I'm going to come quickly. Count on it. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, he's bearing record now. He's putting his name on the line. I, John, saw these things. I heard these things. And when I heard and seen it, and I saw this big angel in front of me telling that this is what's blessed and to do, I fell down to worship at his feet, the angel that showed me. And he said to me, see that you don't do that. Stand up. I'm just like you. We only worship God and the Lord Jesus Christ around here. I'm just like you. I'm a servant of his. So stand up. Get on up. And he saith unto me, don't seal up the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Because the time's what? At hand. The time is ready. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. But he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. You know what that means? It means everyone has a choice, doesn't it? It means God, all the way up until the end, whenever that begins to happen, he's given everybody free will. You've got a choice. You can either continue in the way that you're doing and be separated from him, or you can change and follow him. And you can be with him for eternity. But we have the choice to make. It's, it's our choice. I am the Alpha of Omega. But when I come quickly in verse 12. After he said that. I will come quickly. And my reward is with me. To give to every man according as his work shall be. So you've got the choice. The choice is yours. When I come I will be handing out rewards. Depending upon the works of your life. As how it was. And I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. The first and the last. Here's another key verse. Blessed are they who do his commandments. Remember that. And they that do his commandments. Will not only be blessed. But they're going to have the right. To the tree of life. And you're going to be able to enter in. Through the gates to the city. But on the outside. Are the dogs and the sorcerers, the whoremongers, the murderers, the idolaters. Those who loveth and maketh a lie. And I, Jesus. So here's the Lord now putting his name stamp on it. And I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things who are in what? The churches. You know, this is the first time the church is mentioned since Revelation chapter 3. It, the seven churches in chapter 2 and chapter 3, the church is never mentioned again until this verse right here. And I, Jesus, have sent and written all of these things to you to tell the church. And I am the offspring and root of David, 
And I am the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride, that's us, we're the bride, say come, let him that heareth. So in other words, if you aren't already a part of the bride's uh, chambers, if you've not already believed, come. Because we, the church, the bride, along with the Holy Spirit, say come to those that hear, come. Let him that is a thirst to change that life and to be who you need to be, come. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. You have that choice going back to that. Let him take of the water of life freely. It's almost like the Lord knowing these things is pleading with us, isn't it? He's pleading, follow me. I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Now here's what applies to all of us and especially to those that teach. He says, I testify to you. That the things that are written, if any man shall add to these things, God will add to them the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man will take away from the words of the prophecy of this book, God will take away his part out of the book of life. Now you know why I'm always pretty careful. And I always tell you if I'm telling you something that I think and not straight from the word. Because I don't, I take this literally and seriously. And we all should. That we don't want to take away or add to that word and make it something that it is not for it is God's word. And if any man, uh, God will take out of him of the book of life and out of that holy city from the things that are written in this book. He which testifieth these things say, so here's the Lord, surely I come what? I mean, that's like four times now. Amen. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Isn't that a great way to end the lesson about that day that the night lights go out on planet earth? Because we see what's in store and what the Lord has for us. And he says we should be praying for those to come. And then for even so come Lord Jesus. And may his grace be with you all as we leave. But as our praise team returns. And we go ahead and, and cherish these words of our Lord today. In this book, the Bible, the Word of God, isn't it precious? Isn't it special? Boy, the picture that it's been unfolding. Next week, Lord willing, we'll talk about the curse, the plagues, and the, and the Lord tabernacling with us. But I don't know about you, but I want to stay as far away from the curse as possible, right? I don't want no part of any of that. And so if you're here and you're saying, what do I need to do? Well, here's what it was. First of all, we want the Lord to come quickly, but we want everyone that has a chance to be saved by the Son of Righteousness who comes with healing in His wings. He's our Redeemer. The only way, the truth, and the life is Jesus Christ, and there's no other way to God except through Him. He is the light of the world. He's the glory he is the bread of life. He's the water of life. He is the offspring and the promise of God to David. He's our bright and morning star. And he's testified these things to us that we might believe and do his commandments. Uh, let me give you a couple examples from the Bible. It says this in Revelation twenty-two fourteen. 14. Here's all we need to do. You don't have to jump through hoops. I can't tell you how many times... I've had someone tell me that they've been somewhere where you've had to go through a class to see if you qualify to be able to be baptized. Isn't that nuts? But they do it. They'll tell you. They do. They'll make you go through a class. I've had a couple that we baptized here that they told them in that class that, no, you don't qualify. You can't do it. I don't read that anywhere. I don't read that you've got to jump through any of those hoops. You know, I, I just got told a story today about some, somebody who had went and visited some place and they brought a young couple up and the church had to vote on whether they was going to let them be a part of it or not. Are you serious? Guess whose church this is? That's right. He is the head of the church. Who gets to make the decision? 
Yeah, God and Jesus does. Ain't no man gets to make that. I read in Acts chapter 2 the last time that we was here when Peter stood up with those other men and gave the gospel and they were pricked in their hearts and they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? He said, believe, repent, and believe and be baptized into Christ. And it said in verse 47 of chapter 2 that the Lord added daily to His church such as were being saved. No one else has the right to say any of that. And I want you all to know that. And when you see someplace doing that, that that's an anathema. And you need to let them know that, no, there's no hoops. This is not your church. The Lord's blood paid for this and bought it. And it's His church. And He adds to the church daily such as being saved. And we don't have any partner lot except what it says in the next one in Matthew 28. Jesus gave them a great commission there in Acts 1 when they were looking up at him as he left, when he had said, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. He says to you and I, all power, that means all authority, exousia, Everything has been placed into my hands and given unto me by the Father in heaven or on earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, teach every creature, uh, creature of God, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then, just as it said in Revelation, to follow His commandments, He says, then you teach them to observe the things I have commanded you. You see, a babe in Christ that's coming to that knowledge of God, they don't know all of those things. That's why we gather together each week to learn those things and to better our walk in life. But the Lord Jesus Christ didn't say you had to do all of those things. He said, teach them the gospel. Then if they believe, you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then you work on teaching them all the rest of the commandments and I will be with you always. And that's all that you have to know. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to be able to quote the entire Bible. All you have to do is believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He died for your sins. And now believing I want to represent His death, burial, and resurrection in the same way. Because He told me to do it. And that's all there is to it. And after that, you and I will walk together to learn the rest of the things that we need to do in our walk on glorifying God on this earth until he comes back to get us again. Amen? Amen. Amen. I don't think we need anything else. If you're ready today, you come on up. Ray, you take us home, okay? <laughs> I think it caused go. him to drop his sticks. <laughs> Cut me off the <laughs> One, two, three.